You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Cool. Well, good morning. Wonderful to see you here. We, uh, summer's always a bit interesting. I've lived in America now for 19 years, and summer's always interesting when it comes to the church. Um, I swear this morning I thought there were going to be five people here, and four of them were going to be my family, but uh, actually I was hoping they were all going to make it. But it just, it just is interesting in summer. But, I, you know, the, the thing that I've always like kind of wrestled against is, in a sense, taking the summer off. You know, we just cruise, we just chill out till everybody comes back from vacation. And uh, I just don't see it in Scripture. I don't have the grace for it. And so I want to start a little mini-series this morning called Summer Faith. And uh, we're going to see where we go with it, hey? Is that okay? So we've got a big finish coming up to the end of the year. Is this a little bit loud? That's okay. Because I'm just talking now, and in a minute I'm going to be preaching, so then it's going to be loud. So September 1st, we have kickoff Sunday. September 8th, we go to two morning meetings. And then October 19th and 20th, we have our leadership summit, which is a big deal for us. And uh, it's a big finish to the end of the year. We leave, Sandy and I leave for South Africa in just over a week. The church we planted in South Africa 25 years ago um, has their 25th anniversary celebration. They've invited us to come out. They celebrate their 25th over two weekends and uh, asked me to speak at one of the weekends, and then we're going to be doing some leadership training for some of the pastors in the surrounding area. So obviously I'm in prayer for all of these things and thinking through all of these things as we kind of uh, go into the summer. And the, the, the thing that, that kind of, is, is that a spider? What is that thing? Could not. Listen, I'm from Africa, and I'm super comfortable with snakes and animals, but I do not like spiders. I'm just telling you now. Spiders are not, that's not my happy place when I see spiders walking around. People always ask me, how, how, how can you not be scared of snakes and be scared of spiders? Listen, you know when a snake's going to bite you, right? You can see a snake. It's like, okay, it's going to bite me. Spiders just like, mm. Like there's no, I'm not happy about spiders. So as we uh, as we uh, get into summer, I've been doing some reading and that, and just aware of this thing. And you see this thing come up every now and then in the Old Testament, and you see according to the pattern. And I I, I love that thing. We see it in Noah's Ark. Uh, Noah's Ark built very precisely according to the pattern, and we can learn some lessons even from Noah's ark, that the, the, the two things that the people on the ark could have used to steer the ark, sails and a rudder, were not there. And it's like sometimes we want to be like that. We want to put our life in God's hands, but like, I'll steer, Lord. You know? Actually, that song, Jesus Takes the Wheel, Jesus Takes the Wheel, should have been a moot point. He should have had the wheel all along, is the point, Right? 
And so we, we do this thing, and when, when we understand, when we can read into the pattern and, and look at the pattern and say, okay, Lord, if my life is in your hands, you are setting the sails and you're guiding the ship, then we live more according to the pattern than just putting our life, getting safe, putting our life in his hands and saying, but I, I'll still drive, Lord. You're doing okay. We see it in the temple. When David constructed the temple, very, very precise pattern, and then we see at the end of the, the, the building of the temple, we see the glory of, of the Lord filled the temple. And uh, Ty alluded to it. He quoted Bono. I think it was somebody else, but we'll let the Lord decide. Um, when he said this, he said, and Ty quotes Bono saying this, if you want something to be blessed, find out what God's doing and do that thing because then it will already be blessed. Instead of we doing our own thing and then we spend the rest of our lives crying out for God to bless it. You're doing your own thing. If you do what God's doing, it'll be blessed already. And again, just part of the pattern. But I want to say this, as I've wrestled through this thing and going back to preach at a church that I planted 25 years ago, and I, I, you know, I, I remember my first sermon at that church. And I remember the sermon that I preached 19 years ago when I handed over that church. Now, since it's been handed over again, but, but, I, but I remember those things. And I, I, I want to say this, that every time we separate ourselves from the pattern of God, every time we just take one step sideways from the pattern and the plan of God, we also separate ourselves from the presence and the provision of God. Are you doing okay? And we do that because we think we know better. We can apply this in many areas of our life. You can apply it in family and business. We can even apply it to our nation. I'm just trying not to get in trouble this morning. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to. I'm just. I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm just. I'm trying to go on vacation. Is what I'm trying to do. But, but, but we understand that, right? We can apply biblical pattern. And the Bible speaks on all of these things. It speaks on family, right? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit. Children, obey. There's a, there's a pattern there that we need to understand. Husbands, love. Wives, submit. That's not what we think it means because we see what we think it means in the third part of that pattern. Children, obey. Submission and obedience, not the same thing. My wife is not a child in my house. She doesn't obey me. Right? What are you laughing at? Right? Husbands love, wife submit. That word to submit means to play on the same team, to be together in vision and direction and strategy and all of these things. It means that we're on the same page together as we go forward. Children obey. Wives don't obey. There's a pattern there. I think there's a pattern for business. I think there's a pattern for nation. I think we can learn from business. But I get nervous when the church embraces business principles over the pattern of God. Then I get very nervous. And we can learn. And I loved, I had a season in business and I still love to read business books. Uh, The Starfish and the Spider. Brilliant business book about decentralized leadership. And so you can lead, you can read that thing, understand decentralized leadership, and then you can understand the pattern of God, which we're going to look at, and we can see when actually the reverse is also true. As much as people try and embrace biblical, I mean business principles, there are biblical principles that we can 
bring to business as well. Are you doing okay? I love the story of Starbucks, if you've ever read that, how there were two guys that owned Starbucks, and they, and they had this incredible vision. Two of them had this incredible vision for Starbucks. Six stores in the Seattle area. That was their vision. And there was a guy that sold equipment to them that liked what he saw, and he said, this thing can go national and international. And they were like, no, our vision is for six stores in the Seattle area. Eventually, they sold out to this guy, and the rest is history. And so we can learn something about vision and how we see things and how God will direct us. We can learn from business. But I want to tell you, nowhere is this more true. This thing that we have to work within the pattern of God, nowhere is it more true than in the life of a local church. God has a plan and a pattern for taking care of his people. But too often we buy into other things and we think we're cleverer and we think, well, if we just do that, it would add to. And and I want to say this, we've got to understand, I'm going somewhere this morning, I hope I get there. But we've got to understand this, Jesus is playing the long game, right? 2,000 years and counting. Jesus is playing the long game with the church. And if we just embrace what looks good now, what seems pragmatic now, what seems to help grow the church now, with no idea and no pattern and no plan for the future, then we've bought into something that's pragmatic and just looks like it's going to work now. You doing okay? We need to give thought and prayer to what the church looks like in 30 years. Those are the decisions we need to be making today. What does this church look like in 30 years? An incredible privilege for me to go back to South Africa, to the church we planted 25 years ago. This is what God told me about that church. And I'm I'm going to use language that maybe some of you are unfamiliar with. But this is what God told me about that church when I planted it 25 years ago. He said, this will be a base church, but you'll never see it. And so I understood instantly what my role was in that church, was to lay the foundation for this to be a base church. Now, in our understanding of that, a base church is simply a resourcing church. It's a church that can send teams, can send resources, can plant churches. It's all of those things that will come out of this thing that we want to call a base church. And we see Paul's pattern in that in the New Testament, where you would go plant a church, establish a base, move, plant, establish a base, move. That's how the gospel spreads. Right? So I understood that completely. This will be a base church, but you'll never see it. Now, I have seen it because I get to go back there. And I understand now with hindsight more of what God was telling me. This will be a base church. You'll never see it under your leadership. But I was very, very clear on what my role was in that church, to lay the biblical foundations, to lay into the life of the church something that would see it and carry it. For the, until Jesus comes back. Yeah. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. And so, we, so I led that church for five years. I handed over to Alex. Alex was here last year, did our, our um, leadership summit for us, Alex and Michelle. They since have handed over and gone to Holland, Utrecht, about 50 kilometers out of Amsterdam, leading an amazing church in Holland. And they handed over to Mark Newman. And Mark Newman was here last summer and did some ministry with us, right? And so we go back there. And so you just realize this thing, that if you can stay true to the pattern, and it's vitally important because if if we're off one degree here, 
and you take that out 30 years, we're going to miss the mark by 100 miles, right? So we've got to ask ourselves, got to ask ourselves, what does this church look like in 30 years? And so, and all the kids are out, and I specifically wanted to use some kids as examples, but the moms are all out with them. But we've got Theo and Oscar. They're both out, right? Theo and Oscar, how old are those kids? Oscar's a year? Oscar's a year? Theo, less than a year? Yeah? So let's say they're a year old. We've got to be asking ourselves now and making decisions now. What does this church look like when Theo and Oscar serve on this eldership team? We've got to, and I'm looking, I mean, there's already a next generation but that next generation is a now generation because they're going to be leading in a couple of years. But what does this church look like when Taya is leading worship for us? We've got to be asking those questions now and fighting for that thing now and staying true to the pattern now. There's Oscar right on cue. <laughs> but, 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 are you understanding what I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah, they all come flooding. Here we go. Theo and Oscar. There they go. <laughs> but, but, that's, but that's the question. And, and for ta- how old's Taya now? Nine months? Coming up for a year, right? Going to be a year, just soon. What does this church look like when Taya's leading worship? We've got to be asking ourselves those questions now so we stay true to that thing. And, it, and it's an incredible privilege. Often in the kingdom, we don't often get to see the fruit of our labor. But I love going back to this church that we planted in South Africa 25 years ago. I love going back there and hearing the stories. And, and the, the, there's, this, there's this thing in the, in, the, in the American church model that says this, we measure what matters. And for most churches, that's the three Bs. Bucks, buildings, and bodies. Hmm. I know some of you have got sensitive ears. That's why, that's why I changed that last B up. But, but, but that's, what most, that's, what, that, that's how most people judge success. How big is our budget? How big is our building? And how many people show up on a Sunday? And I guess that's some measure. But before we get to this question, and before we say, let's measure what matters, I think we've got to go to the Lord and say, what matters to you, Lord? Because us measuring what matters, if what matters to us is different to what matters the Lord, there's a correction needed there. Yeah. Are, you, are you doing okay? We've got to say what matters to you. Let's measure that. Let's be true to what you require of us, Lord. Now, now you know me. I, I, I try very hard not to dishonor another man of God, publicly or privately. I, 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 I do my absolute best. And, and so when I make comments like this, I always get nervous because people all have filters. They all have churches they've come from or churches that they know of. And I'm telling you now, I'm not commenting about any other man or any other church. I'm telling you what God requires of us here at Redemption City Church. And there's a reason why I don't want to comment about that because I'm not going to give an account for the church down the street or the church around the world. I'm not going to give an account. What I'm going to give an account for is this local church that I've been called to pastor for this season. Are you doing all right? So we've got to ask what matters, what matters to God. Because what matters to God should matter to us. Thank you, baby. Are you doing okay? 
See, when I led that church in South Africa, and the church was growing and people were getting saved and everybody's like, well, when are you going to buy a building? And, and I'm, not, I'm not theologically opposed to buying a building. I'm just telling you what God had spoken to me at that time. Lay the foundation, gospel to all nations. So I just said, this is what God's told me. What the next guy does is up to him. And so I led that church for five years. I handed over to Alex, and God spoke to Alex and told Alex, you need to buy land, right? But you're not going to build the building. So that's what he did. He bought the land. And so then when he handed over to Mark, and so you can just see the foundation being laid, gospel to all nations, biblical leadership, land as an inheritance, right? We started that orphanage. Sandy and I started that orphanage, Ikaela Kababa. And so then this, this heritage and this foundation, and so the church, when the church built land, the first thing they built on that land was the orphanage, not the building for the church. The first thing they built, orphanage. So I said, gospel to all nations, Alex, I'll buy land, Mark, I'll build the building. And I still don't know how important that is to God. I, I'm, I'm just telling you now. Because it's, it's amazing for me to go back there. We went back there and, and uh, right around their 20th anniversary. And uh, it wasn't quite the 20th, but it was around that time. And so we started off in a little remedial school. Is that, is that a thing in America, a remedial school? Huh? Special? Is it special ed? Is that what it would be called? Special ed? Huh? Special needs school. So we started in this special needs school. It was just a tiny little hall, set maybe 90 people, but that was our first venue. That's where we met. I can't tell you the jokes that went around NCMI about that. Maybe now TK's going to finish his education, now that he's finally in a remedial <laughs> school. can't tell you. Worldwide, those jokes went around. But we started in that remedial school, right? So I'll go back now 20 years later, and like I say, now they've, built, now they've bought the land and built a building, big old building, and some of you were there with us a couple of years ago. And so I, so I stand up and I go like this. Can, can you tell me who was in the remedial school with us? And I, was, I thought there'd just be a handful of people. I was amazed. Quite a lot of people put their hands up. And this couple put their hands up, like sitting like kind of where Brad and Kendra was. And I was looking at them and I'm going like, nah, there's something. Are they just like trying to say, yes, we were there? And they weren't. And then I realized something. Their daughter had led worship for us. And she was about 18 or 19 years old. She wasn't born when we planted that church. See, that's that generational thing. That's that thing. If we can lay the foundation and stay true, we see this thing roll over and roll over and roll over. God is a God of nations. Yeah. Says to Abraham, go to a, go to a, you're going to go to a land that I'll show you. But he's also the God of generations. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nations and generations. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what does the next generation look like? I was back there, this older gentleman, and he was old at the time. I mean, he's passed away since. But he came up to me, tears, crying, tears rolling down his face. And he said to me, Terry, now he's joined the church under Mark's leadership, right? Third generation, me, Alex, Mark. He's joined the church under Mark's generation. Came to me, tears running down his face. He said, TK, thank you for planting this church. He said, my whole family's got saved in this church. You've got no idea what this church means to me. Incredible things. See, we measure what matters. We've just got to ask God what matters. Is it the stories of grace? 
Is it the trophies of grace that will fill these chairs as we go to two, sermon, two services? Is it us investing and staying true to the pattern so that the church we hand over to the next generation is in good shape? They don't have to undo a whole lot of things and redo a whole lot of things because we stay true to what we believe God was asking of us. Are you doing okay? I'm so off my notes. I guess you're not surprised by that anymore. Okay, so here we go. Go with me to Philippians. That was a cool introduction, right? Okay, so Philippians chapter 1. Oh, Lord. Okay, Philippians chapter 1. We're just going to read, uh, I think, the first six verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons, some translations, I don't know why they never switched that, but some translations say to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the deacons and overseers, they've switched that. Uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it, out, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to learn something here. We're talking about this pattern, and, and I want to do this a couple of times. That's why I've called this little series Summer Faith, and we're going to see how far we get this morning. But we see a pattern here, and the first one is this, servant-hearted leadership. Go with me to Romans quickly, Romans chapter 1. Right behind Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 1. Listen to how Paul introduces himself here, right? And remember in, in Philippians, he says, uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. Listen to what he says here, Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. See, you see, there's a, there's a pattern there that we need to be aware of, right? Paul, this great apostle, right? Outside of Jesus, the greatest apostle. Paul, the great apostle, says this. Paul, a servant, called to be an apostle. And I want to tell you, there's a pattern there, and the pattern is this. Servant-hearted leadership. Are you doing all right? We've got to understand this. We are servants who are called to lead. We are never leaders who stoop to serve. Never, ever. Wrong way around. We've got to understand this thing. First, servants. When I was coaching rugby, we would do this thing always. Student athletes, and I'd make these kids do all of these sprints. What are we student athletes? Up and down the field. Student athletes, student athletes. What comes first? Student. Don't show up here and tell me you can't play on Saturday because you missed an assignment and you've got to catch up an assignment because now you've weakened the whole team. We are students first. Take care of business at school so that you can show up here on Saturday and play. You're doing all right. Mark knows what I'm talking about with rugby, right? Nothing like a little bit of blood in the grass on a Saturday morning to make boys feel like boys, I'm telling you now. <clears throat> Student athletes, here we go, servant leaders. We are servants who are called to lead. Paul, a servant called to be an apostle. And we've got to understand this. That's apostle with a small a, not a capital A. It's not a title. It's a function. It's what he's called to do. 
Now, I want to say this, friends. If serving is below you, leading is beyond you. <clears throat> if serving is below you, leading is beyond you. Now, listen, we all serve in different ways. We all absolutely serve in different ways. And like I said, I'm, I'm hoping to get somewhere. Maybe I need to be a little bit disciplined here. So here we go. Number two, this will lead into it. Here we go. Number two. This apostolic letter is written firstly, primarily to the saints. Now, you've heard me say this before. When he says to the saints, he's not talking about dead Christians. He's talking about, up, he's talking about the people that make up the church in Philippi. That's who he's talking about, right? So we see here God's plan and pattern for taking care of his people, right? You see it? God's plan and pattern for taking care of his people is his people. You know, there's more than 59 one another's in Scripture. That's the plan. Here's a few of them. One third of them deal with relationships in the church. Be at peace with one another. Mark 9, 50. Accept one another. Romans 15, verse 7. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving of one another. Ephesians 4, verse 32. One third have to do with love. Love one another. John 13, verse 34. Through love, serve one another. Galatians 5.13. Some of them have to do with humility. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12. Honor one another above yourselves. Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Philippians 2 verse 13. Just picked a few of them there. Just picked a few of them there. But Chris alluded to this. Chris's prophetic word about the priesthood of all believers. And, and we've got to understand this thing. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a ministry component to being a member of a local church. If I had to ask you right now who here is in ministry, it should be every single one of us. It should be, yes, according to the pattern, I'm in ministry. I'm called to minister to one another. We're called to love one another, serve one another, pray for one another. All of those things. Every one of us should be able to put up his hand and say, yes, I'm in ministry. I just picked on a few there, but I, I hope you get the picture. We've got to study those one another's and ask God, what is it? You know, a servant, yes, a servant. What am I called to do? Called to serve what else am I called to do? And number three, I love the inverted hierarchy here. There's an inverted hierarchy. Paul writes this apostolic letter and he says to the saints with the deacons and the elders. Now, now I tell you, man, that's the, that's the, the this, is a, this has to be a mind shift for us. It has to be a mind shift because we think so hierarchically, if that's a word. We think hierarchically. In, in other words, it's like this guy is the main guy. He's the main dude. And, and I, I mean, we had a Sunday a couple of Sundays ago, and I, and I was here a little bit early. And I was, you know me, I like to just have fun. And so I came in the door there, and I, and I just yelled at the top of my voice, let's go. And I just saw these 
four eyeballs turn, and there were some visitors that were here a little bit early, you know. And I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> Good to meet you. I'm Terry. And so then they asked me, well, who's the pastor here? And I was so, de- I was like, I wanted to say Andrew and Tim are the pastors. <laughs> but I knew I was going to be preaching that morning. So I was like, uh, I guess I am, you know. <laughs> mm. but, we, but, we just have this under, but we just have this understanding. You know? It's like we think hierarchically. You know, you know, we, even my wife's disappointed in me now that she, I didn't, I didn't even tell her that story. Let me tell you, that's the first time she's heard that story. But, uh, you know, Jesse made some slides a little while ago for, for when we, for when we preaching and it's Andrew Godfrey, pastor at Redemption City Church. Tim Howe, pastor at Redemption City Church, and then he had mine up there, and it said senior pastor, and I said, we can't do that. We cannot do that. Why? Because if I'm a senior pastor, these guys are junior pastors, and you can't find that in Scripture. And it's like, Tan asked, with that little interview we did last week, we try to get around this thing. How, how, there's this organic way of thinking that is more about form and function than it is about title and position, and we don't really have language for it. And at times, it's hurt us. At times, it's hurt us because people come... Uh, in, in, in Africa, even, it's a, it's a big deal in the black culture. So guys would come to church, and they, and they would call me pastor. And I'm like, please don't call me that. My name's Terry. What I am is a pastor. It's what I do. You don't make somebody call you mechanic Bob or electrician Caleb. We don't do that. Why would we do it in the church? It's what I do. It's form and function, not title and position. But you know what? It's so ingrained in their thinking, they would leave the church. And then when guys try to follow them up, they'd say, no, we want to go to a church where there's a real pastor. <laughs> we had it in Mexico as well. When we were breaking into the region of Mexico, I had a guy come to me and say, will you be my apostle? Now, I serve on the apostolic team. In some regions, I am apostolic. Will you be my apostle? And I'm like, we don't work like that. So he called me two weeks later and he said, sorry, bud, I found this guy and he's going to be my apostle. And it's like, it hurts us. But... I don't see a way to cross that biblical line. And that's what I'm trying to say. Every time we separate ourselves, every time, every time I make myself a senior pastor and these guys junior pastors, we've separated ourselves a little bit from the pattern and therefore we've separated ourselves a little bit from the presence and the provision of God. Yeah. Are you doing okay? So guys, well, well what are you then? I, I don't know. I don't know that we have language. Sometimes a visionary pastor or a... Lead part, I don't know. I don't know that we have language for it. That's why if God didn't give us clear language for it, why would we try and make up clear language for it? I guess for this season, I offer some leadership to the team that leads the church. For this season. I offer some leadership. Maybe I offer some vision for this season. Are you doing all right? It's form and function, not title and position. It's this inverted hierarchy, inverted hierarchy. And it's so, it's so hard when we talk people about organic, when we tell people about organic leadership and, and, and how this thing works. And we had it 19 years ago in, in Los Angeles where, where people literally, we try and explain to them how this thing works and, and even as an apostolic team, how we're trying to find biblical language and trying to find our way through this thing and organic leadership. And you know what they tell, literally people would say this to me face to face, when you get your act together, call me. Because they think we don't know what we're doing. And 
mean, <laughs> what we're doing is trying to stay true to the Word of God. Right? Trying to stay true to the Word of God. When we tell the story that Tyron, who we interviewed last week, planted this church, led it for five years, and handed over to me, and remains in the church with no position of leadership, people's minds are absolutely blown. How does that work? Well, how it works is this, is our relationship was never about title and position. Our relationship was never about title and position, right? And we have this thing in the life of the church that we say friendship before function. We really want to get to know people. We want that basis of relationship before we put people on the stage, before we put people in the pulpit, any of those things. We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. There's a relational foundation. So when the relational foundation is secure, then it doesn't matter whether title and position changes or not because the relational thing is still there. Are you doing okay? I used to say this about that church in South Africa. I used to say one day I'm going I'm to be able to come back here and there's going to be some young punk leading the church. And I'm just going to be able to stand at the back and just enjoy the worship and enjoy what's going on. Every time I go back to that church. And most of the time when I go back, they honor me because I planted the church. I'm preaching. But in the worship, I remember that thing. And I just go stand at the back for a few minutes. A couple of hundred people, worship going crazy, presence of God. And I just go stand at the back and I just go, Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Not about position or title, about form and function. Are you doing okay? I love this thing that this letter comes primarily to the saints. Ephesians 4.11, we don't have time to go and read it, but we know this, the fivefold ministry Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist is there to equip the saints for works of service. Right? There to equip saints for works of service. And that's what we're saying right from the beginning when he writes this thing to the saints, ministry. Saints are to do the ministry. And I've used this illustration many times. It just works. Say, so often churches like a football game. 22 people on the field desperately needing a rest. 22,000 people in the grandstand desperately needing some exercise. That's often a picture of the church. That's often a picture of the church. And, and what we need to do, what I believe the Bible points us towards, is getting people off the grandstand, out of the grandstand, and into the game. Then we'll see the church arise. Then we'll see the sleeping giant arise, where nobody's waiting for permission to minister. Are you doing Okay. There's a leadership bar. There's a leadership standard. And people always accuse me, TK, your standard for leadership is too high. You've set the bar too high. If only I had that authority. You don't want me to have that authority, but if only I had that, if only I had the authority to set the bar. I don't. The Bible sets the bar. All I can do is tell you where it is and let's hold each other accountable to that bar. Are you doing all right? Let me tell you, friends, the saints, equipped, empowered saints, are always going to be the tip of the ministry spear, according to the Word of God. We don't have a framework for it in North America. We don't have a framework for it. 
We wrestle with this thing of organic and function. And, but I tell you, friends, a huge part of that thing is understanding the difference between important and visible. It's a huge, it's a huge thing because we equate visibility to importance. And if you think I'm the most important person in this church simply because I'm the most visible, then we've got some work to do with reframing and rethinking. Does that make sense? Absolutely, I'm the most visible person. I preach the most, I'm up front the most, it just, it's the season. But that doesn't mean I'm the most important. Doesn't mean, it doesn't even mean that I carry the most important function or form in the life of the church. It doesn't mean that. And we've got to equate this thing with importance. I wish I had a different story, but it's the only story I've got that works with this thing. I, to, I told you about that guy that came into our meeting, and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to this meeting. This is my last chance, Lord. You better have something for me. If not, I'm going home to kill myself. No joke. This is an absolutely 100% true story. Came into the meeting. The, he came in late, so the meeting had already started. So I didn't see him because I'm facing forward. The meeting had already started. He came in. He stayed for two or three songs, and he walked out. He's like, nothing here for me. I'm going home to kill myself. And a guy in the church, a guy, not an elder, not a deacon, not a leader, not anything, a guy in the church saw him walk out, followed him into the parking lot, and said to him, are you okay, bud? And he said, no, actually, I'm not going home to kill myself. This guy led him to the Lord in the parking lot, brought him back in after the meeting, introduced him to me. Let me ask you, who was important? I was preaching that night. Let me ask you, who was important to that guy? The guy, right? And we've got to understand that. That's ministry. That's the tip of that ministry spear. Not just here on a Sunday for 90 minutes. Not just here on a Sunday, but seven days a week. The best, you know, we, we work hard to follow visitors up and stay connected with visitors. I'm telling you now, the best follow-up system in the world is saints open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Man, we haven't seen that guy for a week or two. Let me just give him a call. Not waiting for the pastors to do it. Not waiting for the deacons to do it. Not waiting for the connect group leaders to do it. Every single one of us in the game. Let's follow up on this guy. That guy looks like he needs prayer. Let's have that family over for a meal. That's ministry. That is absolute ministry. It's absolute foundation for ministry 101. That we actually minister to each other. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to get away from that thing of visibility. Visibility is important. Because then we equate, okay, this is the only thing that has any value in the life of the church. So until I can preach or lead worship, I don't really have a value. My value is diminished. So I've got to work hard at that. I've got to work hard to get in the pulpit. I've got to work hard to get on the worship team. Because then I'll be in ministry. We've missed the point completely, friends. We've missed the whole point and pattern of Scripture. Are you doing okay? God's plan and God's pattern for taking care of His people is His people. Are you doing all right? Let's stand together. She's burning the whole time with this scripture. I had it in the beginning of the meeting, and Chris shared something similar, so I, I hesitated, and then I felt insecure. <laughs> so then I stopped. <laughs> And uh, now that with this message, God is just burning it in me again. 
scripture I have, Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless anyone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news of God. And the thing that I had with this as well was the nations. And I had a heart that we must have God's heart for people, any and every person. I think it's fun when God uses us to go up to somebody that is totally and completely not like us to tell them God loves you. Mm. It's so beautiful. You just cross so many cultures and so many boundaries. And it's just a declaration that the God of the universe is reaching down into their world mm. and showing him how much he loves them. Yeah. So, Brilliant. Brilliant. Father, we love you. Lord, we want to remain true to what you have for us, Father, as individuals and as a church. This thing of organic leadership and form and function, inverted hierarchy, they, they like, it's language that we struggle with, Lord, but, but I love Psalm 73, you lead us and guide us by our right hand. And I pray that, Father, would you lead us and guide us where we don't have language where we struggle to describe or struggle to explain it, would you lead us into these things, Father? What a tragedy, Lord, to give ourselves to building church for 25 years and then to discover that everything we thought mattered to us didn't matter to you. Help us with this thing, Lord. Help us, Father. We want to be true. We want to be true to you. We want to be true to what you've said over redemption. We want to be true to what you've called us to as individuals. We want to honor you, Father, in everything we do, in everything we say. Not just here for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. We want to honor you. Help us, Lord, to buy into your pattern. Help us to buy into your plan. Give us courage, Lord. Give us courage, renew our minds. If we've come out of hierarchical thinking or old models, unhelpful patterns, Lord, remind us, renew us, refresh us. Stir us afresh, Lord. The cry of our heart, Father, is to do this in such a way, our lives and Redemption City Church, to do this in such a way that you and you alone receive the glory, Lord. Would you bless your people this morning, Father? Bless the saints, Lord. Anoint them, Lord. Equip them, Lord, to get on with the job of ministering to one another and to this broken world around us, Lord. Help us, Father, to pray that prayer as I prayed. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. That comes out of the context of Isaiah overhearing the conversation of heaven. Who will go and who can we send? And his heart responds, saying, here am I, Lord, send me. May we get so close to you, Lord, that we truly overhear the conversations of heaven. So if the response of our heart is, yes, Lord, use me, 
Yes, Lord, use me. Use me in the life of the church. Use me with my neighbors. Use me in my neighborhood. Use me to go to the nations of the world and see the love of God, the gospel of God, and the glory of God. Cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Stir us, lift us, encourage us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, friends. Bless you.